This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and film and television, focusing on the legacy that is Studio A24. To hash it out, we are once again joined by my favorite studio head and exec, and that is Mr. Philip Church of philipchurch.tech. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having your people call my people. You're welcome. We lunch. I'm, Here we I'm are. glad we could do lunch. Food we business. got some sush. Yeah. And it's time to dish. <laughs> got some sush. Gonna dish. So let's tell the good people why. Uh, why are we talking about a... I know what you're thinking. Why Why the hell are you guys talking about a production studio? Well, they're, they're, uh, buckle up. Uh, in our ever, this is why, guys, in our ever-evolving time of remakes and reboots and re-effing everything, you know, there is something special underneath it all. There's a very special studio that does none of that, and that is A24, a studio that prides themselves on supporting the visionaries in the medium, the risk-takers, the innovators, the artists with original ideas. We hunger for them and new IPs. Actually, even... Uh, historically and most very famously, probably infamously for a lot of people, shunning the blockbusters and franchises. You know, they're ultimately helping to fill this space that for a long time that just it's just gone unfilled by a lot of the studios by doing something a lot of them just don't do anymore. And that is, yeah, they're, they're making sure that art is still in cinema, but they're putting a lot back in. They're making sure it's alive and well and just getting away from the from the formulas. I am so tired of when not only does a trailer tell you way more than you need to know. The whole movie sometimes. Yeah, it literally will tell you the whole movie. And then when you still go to see the movie because you still want to see it, you're just like, well, this is that. And like that person's going to do this or like something, something. It's just it, uh, it's it's or all the, the great parts un- are in the trailer. Yeah, it's and- the untelegraphed uh, just back to sheer surprise of just. Trust me, like you, like you ain't seen nothing like this. Like that's that should be their tagline. Remind me to pitch <laughs> that at the next meeting that I go to because I am a studio exec. That's right. You ain't seen nothing like this. 
Uh, that's the new one. <laughs> so yeah, guys. So if you've seen a lot of the same old thing, or you're just asking yourself like, where's the art? Look no further than Studio A24. Now, before we can discuss, of course, we all need a little background. So A24 was founded in 2012 by Daniel Katz, David Finkel, and John Hodges. The name A24 was inspired, I think there's a lot of fan fan theories out there, but I hate to break your, hate to burst the bubble. It was just inspired by an Italian motorway literally named A24 that connects Rome to Taramo. First starting as a distribution company, its first evolution was creating a television division, as well as assisting with financing and developing pilots. And then they later moved into acquiring full rights to films, launching a podcast, and of course, what we know them as today, eventually creating their own original productions and films. Since its inception, it's been nominated for 49 Academy Awards, winning 16, as well as receiving recognition from the British Academy of Films, the BAFTAs, the Critic Choice Awards, the Golden Globes, Independent Spirit Awards, and of course, the SAG Awards. In March 2023 alone, A24 became the first independent studio to sweep Best Picture, Best Director, and all four acting categories in a single year at the 95th academy mm, awards and i damn ooh, the movie that that snagged a lot of that for them too is chef's kiss it's uh it's coming up it's coming chef's up kiss. it's actually yeah, no spoilers you gotta listen you got, well if i'll give you i'll give them a little hint if they've been listening to our shows we did a best of 2022 and it was our pick for the best film of the year. It's excellent. I mean, as obviously just all the, the you know, between local and international awards being given to it, but especially even with the academies, um, it's, it's yeah, it says a lot um, with just how far they've come and the kind of art uh, that they fully produce at these days, but, you know, have just been behind and backing and promoting for over a decade. They're like the Steely Dan of movies. If you fucking love good movies, guess what? You probably like A24 a lot more than you realize, <laughs> which is just like... Steely Dan. I'm glad you talked about the time element as well, so put a pin in that. But before we get there, guys, we're going to take a little break. Hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Novella Adulteration. Follow adult entertainer Jessica Amberstar as she embarks on a journey that will change her life forever. She not only finds herself in the industry, but figures out a way to transform herself and eventually become reborn. Find out how an adulteration, which can be found on Amazon in both paperback and ebook, available now. Now back to the show. Okay, Mr. Church, Mr. Church. We are back, and I want to start the conversation with a question for you. Hmm. Why do you think this studio gravitates towards these kind of projects? I would imagine it has to do with maybe feeling like some of that magical spark has been lost as as a child of like going to the nineties. Yeah, because you know, I mean, yes, I, I with like my Jaws, age, I'm technically Indiana. more of a '90s baby, but at the same time, I have older siblings, and I still remember a lot of the '80s movies. And you told me you're a boomer at heart in a show. I Caleb. am. I am. I'm 80 <laughs> uh, internally. I'm 80. He's an old um, bitty, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I also loved feeling like. Um, just that excitement for the next movie with having lost, like you mentioned at the top uh, of just feeling like, cool, everything is a reboot. Everything is a reboot. Everything is a reboot. So I really think that a lot of it had to do with the fact that things weren't reboots back in the eighties and nineties, nearly so much. Like even if they were, it was still like the first of its kind and it was a little more groundbreaking. 
uh, back when that was happening, what little it happened 30, 40 years ago. So I think I feel like it was a return to form to say there are a ton of great ideas out there and they don't all need to be rehashed ideas with too much money thrown at them so that it just gets bloviated and the point is lost. What is poignant about their choices as well is they tend to lean on the side of artistic integrity. All, almost all of their fi- films have this essence of not only originality and original ideas, but there is this essence of artistic value that we don't see in the Marvel movies and the, the effing reboots and rehashes and remakes. I'm and, so fucking over the Marvel stuff at this point. And that's coming. Are that's, you there? You all know me. I'm, I'm the biggest nerd that I, in my own friend circle, I fucking love comics and nerdy shit. I'm so fucking tired. Yeah, of let's do a little T-Buck tangent corner because I think, you know, we've been talking about this not only on our show, but just, you know, probably in the lexicon for the last few years. You know, when are people going to have that, that I think they called it called it a Marvel fatigue. And I feel like we are officially Oh, it's there. happening. They're just too busy counting their fucking dollars and stacks to stop and realize <laughs> that people don't actually give a shit. It's just that a lot of it changed to streaming. And I don't understand how streaming revenue works, but it must be good because they haven't stopped. But I mean, yeah, I've stopped seeing their movies in theaters. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen a Marvel movie in theaters and I don't know how long because they just all feel the fucking same. Not to mention, it's all just one big stupid joke whereas like one of my favorite things about comics is that it actually took very important topics and subjects and made them digestible even to kids and teenagers or like the othered people. Like it's, it used to be that it was for the niche and by becoming mainstream now it's just dumb fart jokes and bro comedy (laughs) and dumb shit. It's just not enjoyable to me. You know what? I cannot remember the last Marvel movie I saw in the theaters either. Oh my god! Yeah, likewise. Like, I, I don't just, give a shit like, anymore. Right when you said that, it, I I literally had to like, hmm, you know, I was rubbing my you, my chin. Like, when did I see a Marvel movie last? I, I, I remember when Captain America came out. Remember. Awesome, Thor. All the, like the first wave. Super excited, super behind it because they were far more true to the characters. I want to say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. That's how long ago. I mean, it's been a long. Yeah, yeah I don't even. Know I if almost I always wait. Theaters, to be honest, but... I must always wait until they come out. You know, yeah, I'm over it. I'm not paying that much money just to go like see that. some pointless piece of garbage. Well, Philip and everyone else listening, I have good news for you because we're going to be talking about the opposite end of the spectrum today with A24 yes. films. Now, I think we need to give them, uh, them. I think we need to give the good people a little history lesson on how films are actually made before we actually dive into the history that is Studio A24, because there's three main phases to creating a film and getting it to your eyeballs, and it is production, so them actually making the movie, pre-production, production, post-production, distribution. Now, that's when the rights are sold, you know, they're They're played at some festival or something and a studio head or a a team likes it enough that they buy the rights to the film and that's when they start marketing it. So this is just distribution. The distribution phase is really a nice way of saying this is the marketing phase. We're going to buy the rights to your film. We're going to make the posters. We're going to put your, we're going to slap your face on the billboards. We're going to do the viral campaigns. We're going to get the word out. And then the last phase is exhibition where it actually lands in your local movie theater, be it the one not nearly as sexy as it sounds one, you know, the one that's ran by your favorite hippie in town or the big, you know, 
fucking conglomerates like AMC and Regal and Hollywood, you know, wherever you go see your movies in your local theater. Now, with that being said, you have to understand that A24 first started as a distribution company only. So that middle face. So they would buy the they didn't make the films. They bought the rights to the films. And then they did what no one was doing at the time. And that is they would start to market it through viral campaigns and they would go through all the non-traditional routes to critical acclaim because they were gangbusters right away. And they knew from the get go. You know, at the top of this segment, I asked you, Mr. Chich, I asked what you, why you thought, why you thought they gravitated towards certain projects. And you see that right away in the progeny of films that they bought to distribute. So let's go through a few of them and we're then we're going to take a little break to talk shop. So the very first film they ever bought and distributed was A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III. This was uh, February 8th, 2013. And then they... And right when I say this, you guys, like, I I think a glimmer, a little spark is going to, or a little flare is going to fly up in your mind. Remember Spring Breakers with James Franco? That's kind of where it starts for me with my Steely Dan metaphor or like, uh, I guess not a metaphor, but um, that, yeah, I mean, again, I I remember seeing Spring Breakers. I remember seeing all the trailers. I remember being like, this looks kind of fucking bonkers. I'm I'm curious. And then after hearing a bit of word of mouth, because again, I don't trust the big studio shit because it's all, they're all in on it. Everyone's going to say all the Marvel shit is great because guess what? Those people make their money by staying in the review business. Friends of mine are telling me that an indie film is good. I'm going to trust it. And I saw Spring Breakers. I I'd like that again. Like I didn't know that I was a fan of A24 until they'd been doing that shit for years. And then next on our list is The Bling Ring. And this was June 14th, 2013 with uh, Hermione. Remember her? And oh, yeah. uh, the, the Spectacular Now, August one of, 2nd, one of the 2013. Emmas. One of the Emmas. There's like a Stone. There's a Watson. Um, I I always forget Emmas. I forget which one's which. I just know that uh, there's the older British Emma that I am more a fan of. That she's the Emma that I think of first. Then I'm like, wait, are we talking the redhead or Hermione? Too many Emmas. We're talking Hermione on this one, guys. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and um, and then I feel like they just they hit a stride. They hit a roll and. Th- there was an avalanche. In 2014, they bought the rights to Den- Denis Villeneuve's Enemy and Under the Skin, which stars Scarlett Johansson in the strangest role you will ever see her in. She plays an alien. It's absolutely excellent. It's absolutely artistic and avant-garde weird, and you're gonna you're gonna fucking love it. Now in 2015, I feel like this is where they really kind of the floodgates broke open they they're here to stay and that was with 2015's ex machina i i remember seeing this in the theater now me and philip both talked about this a little bit before we went on air and we realized we've seen about half of these films we haven't seen every single one there's no time in the world for that but we've seen most of them to realize what kind of films they not only attach themselves to but we can already see right now the future of how their legacy is going to build. And Ex Machina is a perfect example of that, as well as Amy in 2015, Amy Winehouse, that is. Yeah, the documentary about the late Amy Winehouse. And Room starring Captain Marvel before she was Captain Marvel in Mm -hmm. our us making fun of Marvel movies this show. Brie Larson. And uh, she won an Academy Award. Like right away, we're like, this is the year where they're like, oh shit, A24, they're, they're serious auteurs kind of thing. They're here to stay. And 
then that avalanche kept going. The snowball got bigger with, uh, I think you'll have a lot to talk, say here, and that is with 2016's The Witch. One of my favorites. Um, and I guess one thing before we get too far beyond these, though, is that um, it's it's very worth pointing out, in my opinion, that uh, even, even before we got to that sort of like second batch or like the ones from 2014, if you will, where like Enemy, again, like Denis Villeneuve, he was still building a career, but at the same time, like had a name for himself somewhat already. But when you look at like Spring Breakers, like that was Harmony Corinne, who was like the cusp, like of of kind of almost breaking through. Like they they were the hot ticket for um, indie directors at the time. And then you've got like uh, Bling Ring by Sofia Coppola. So very smartly chosen. They definitely picked some very good ones to begin with because, yes, it's a business and it takes money to make money. Uh, and then it's it's interesting seeing that transition from their early phases when they were just distribution and when they move into being more of like full on. Um, so, yeah, I, I like going back and kind of thinking with that lens of looking back at like, where did they start getting more of the pie? When were they like, we could do more as compared to, you know, the earlier phases where it's just like, look, we have enough money to, to distribute. Let's get some, some good names that we should get a return on, but that we believe in, like the integrity is there. And that's, I think, again, just why they, it's, it, it worked. That's, that's why I think it worked because the integrity was there of them being very selective, not going crazy. Um, and, picking very interesting like films with with good name directors but films that again probably wouldn't have gotten the mainstream attention well they've always prided themselves on giving their directors and their writers essentially their filmmaking teams almost complete creative freedom which if you guys have followed our shows before or if you know even a little bit about the film industry in Hollywood, that is far and few between now. You've probably have heard time and time again either the suits in the room or the studio heads or the execs coming in and saying, well, you can't do that or we need to change that. And then it becomes a fight with the filmmakers, like the directors and writers are actually at war with their own producers and EPs because they're like, no, this has to stay in. This I can't even make the rest of this movie if this part doesn't stay in. The last time you saw a weirdly disjointed film where you felt like, it, it, you know, like, oh, this film doesn't know what it's doing, that was probably the cause that it came as as its own script first, and it started getting made, and then the people with the purse strings started getting involved, saying, I don't like that, change it. I think the last time I felt that way, like actually in the theater, is I remember I saw the the first Suicide Squad before like the rebooted you know oh, James yeah. Gunn version and I remember saying that I went I took my niece um to see that movie I think she really wanted to see it a lot at the time or I did or something and I and I was just like hey do you want to go see this with me and she's like yeah and I remember us like getting to the third act and being like what the fuck is this <laughs> like what is happening with the plot like it made no sense towards the end and that is that is that's the first, I mean, there's a lot of examples. That's the first example that pops in my head. But um, going back to your point, uh, Mr. Church, about them seeing the potential in themselves, I'm glad you started to talk about that because that was in the same year, 2016, that we stopped on. Because later in that year, they released their first produced movie, and that is Moonlight in, in October 21st, 2016. The marketing for that one alone, 
I, I it stands out in my head. Like they like they're so they knew their strengths before. Again, like when they founded the company, they were like, we're gonna do this like a motherfucker until we're more successful. Um, seeing like you know reels of like a bunch of their movies playing back to back to back, just you know you can you YouTube literally a twenty four, you know, or Studio a twenty four. And you'll see like just like a quick cut a bunch of their movies. They have a similar identity to their film language. Like there is a color palette. There is there there is a look. There's a feel. There's an essence to their films that feels, you know. And they and they embrace that too. They know that their films have an identity. That when you see that little A twenty four at the beginning, like the the title card at the beginning of the movie, that's gonna and and enjoy that and see the movie and enjoy that movie. That that title card, that little logo, just the num or just the letter A and twenty four together is it means more to the moviegoer, and they and that's why they've created this very fascinating legacy. It's I uh, just you know it, it's it is it's quite the journey, and um it, it, you know and I like Ex Machina uh, that that was definitely the next one of those that I I remember seeing uh, which again it also it the quality level of that one. Uh, was still like, you know, a lot of these you would go back and watch and they did not have indie or like low budget vibes. You know, like there's there's times where you watch a movie and you can go, I know exactly how much budget these people have. Uh, you can tell where the money was spent. Not the case. Again, like these these were very, I feel like meticulously chosen and probably fought for. Again, like when you have that passion for things like this, I really feel like it, it speaks to the people around them. So hence, you've got people that helped get their start like the Coppola's. Um, and then moving on to like your Denis Villeneuve, uh, that they clearly had some kind of relationship when all you're doing at that point is just distribution and marketing kind of stuff. Uh, it, it says a lot. And it's nice to know that there are those other people out there that that seem to care about this stuff as much as you, because, yeah, I mean, I just have I you know, you get theater fatigue, whereas this is like, you know, like the witch. I feel like I was changed like lobster was pretty damn interesting. Green room. Super cool. Love it. Uh, Swiss Army Man, like wild movie. And to your point with the directors and filmmakers, that was the Daniels again. Yeah. You know, yeah. before they hit a big with everything. It's interesting. It's, it has all the hallmarks of it when you like think about it that way and go back again and just even just watch the trailer. You're like, yeah, that screams of Daniels. But they didn't have a brand yet. I feel like that was this, well, that was when they they were like, hey, we're doing good. Let's gamble <laughs> a bit more. You know, like I, I that I, as far as I recall, that was like the biggest uh, and most major release that the Daniels had done at that point was Swiss Army Man. But again, it had a good cast. You know, like there's there's that selling point that they can get oh, behind yeah, her, that find the value. Harry. Yeah. We had Harry Potter because we had Hermione earlier. <laughs> Harry. And to your point, uh, before we went into the discussion sec uh, segment with uh, talking about time, you know, I think that I think that is it. Uh, we're going to take that pin out now. So I think time is a fascinating way to approach this conversation, because to me, um, I think it. And correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of premised it like you felt the opposite of this. But to me, their legacy feels like they've been around for a lot longer than 10 years. Yeah, uh, I guess I, I think that's what I meant to say. And just that like time seems faster that that 2012. Oh, I thought you were saying I thought you meant like it seems like they've, you know, just got on the scene yesterday. I mean, as far as like brand recognition, I think that's that may be what I was meaning to imply. Um, uh, but more just that I was trying to say that, like, it's only 2023. Like, that's only 11 years. That's technically not the longest span of time yet. What they've been with what they've been able to do with the select works that they have put their brand on in that time is epic. It, it, it is big. So, um, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because, again, to clarify, They've done a shit ton in a short amount of time. 
Um, and they did such an excellent job of growing the brand from, again, their beginnings of just, we don't produce to going to like, we can produce, like we, we're killing it. Well, it goes back to that identity thing. They know what kind of films are important to them and that have art- artistic value and will be important to the people that really love cinema really love movies like on a level that is so much deeper because these these motherfuckers have their own merch you can buy an a24 hoodie that's how much identity they have and how much pride they have in their own brand can you think of any other studio that's like that i mean i personally can't not off the top of my head i mean yeah you you see i feel like that is typically no one's for... buying paramount shirts you know what's funny that's exactly or the studio warner i was warner brothers about. or warner brothers hoodies yeah you see that shit from like Six Flags or like theme parks. You see it in like cheesier places where people go and and spend way too much money on a fucking hat that they don't actually care about because their kids wanted it compared to like being a young adult or or, or a not so young adult and being like, I freaking love this studio. Like I literally would rep them. um, And yeah, wanting to buy like the hat or the thing. And, And yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, whether it's a crappy theme park purchase or just the, oh, I was a PA, like I've been doing film and I have all these WB hats. It's like the throwaway crap that no one cares about. Um, not the case. Again, they've shown their care. They've shown their intent. Um, they've been, you know, just crushing it with obviously supporting more really good, if not very interesting or or just very artistic movies. And let's keep the ball rolling with uh, continuing their filmography. With 2017. In 2017, they made, they either made or helped to distribute a ghost story, The Florida Did Project. Did you not see the ghost story? A ghost story? I didn't. I had too many oh, people man. spoil it. You for know, me, once, me and once Ryan, some... your boy Ryan, we did uh-huh. a show on Lowry, you know, on his filmography because he did a ghost yeah, yeah. story. So we uh it's oh. it's excellent. Let me let me be the reviewer for you right now. Um and this is I'm just talking to Philip guys for a minute. Uh everyone oh shut up. See, Oh my God, see this movie. It's so good. You'll love it. I know what kind of, I've, I've gotten a real taste of the movies you like. You will love a ghost story. Oh my God. Go see it. Interesting. Like this okay. week. And then text me what you Yeah, I, I think part of it was that Anyways, I, let's get I back did, to the show. Yeah, I did want to see it. And then be, I think it got spoiled for me at the time. And I just kind of was mm. like, well, fuck. And that, that happens to me sometimes. So Even, okay, sure. let me say this. Even if you got a little bit of the spoilies, um, I guarantee the stuff in the middle will be um, still way worth it. You know, there'll still be stuff. Yeah, there'll still be stuff where you'll be like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I love this. Okay. I promise you. And then they went on to make uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Lady Bird, and The Disaster Artist. I saw Lady Bird. I, uh, I'm i I'm a Gerwig head. You know, she's big with Barbie right now, but some Greta Gerwig, like, I saw it right away. When I saw Lady Bird, I was like, ah, shit, she's good. She's She's got the magic. Let's talk about a film I know you will love, or I know you loved and will love talking about, and that is 2018. Is it hereditary? It's hereditary. Oh, God, yes. Tell the good people why. Reinvention of horror, if you ask me. Um, wonderfully original, wonderfully original story. Um, I also, I, I love, I, I have come to more appreciate the, not quite bait and switch, because that has a negative connotation. I don't want to feel like, the, I'm not saying the movie was deceptive, but I, I, I do remember wondering after the first 20 to 30 minutes, but like, am I in the right movie? And it, Really, why? Like, just, it was so plain. Like nothing was, it was, it was far more about establishing the characters and the environment and setting up plot threads. Nothing supernatural happened until way later. Unless, of course, you're on your second and third watching and then you see all the breadcrumbs and you see the hints. But the first time I just remember being like, is this a horror movie? 
Is it? And it's like, that's the other fun part is that. Well, then it really like pulled the rug out from under you. Exactly. They weren't trying to make you laugh first necessarily, but they definitely wanted you comfortable and not expecting it because what they had in store for you would have been bonkers no matter what, but especially when they had you in that false sense of security. Um, So yeah, the cast, good. Yes, the mother character was like, honestly, the only recognizable actor. I love that about indies. I'm so, again, I, I can't not see Brad Pitt. I can't not see big names typically like it just it doesn't immerse me uh nearly as much as uh you know indies do when you see these big name actors that are just obviously just playing at a role so outside of the fact that yeah tony collette yes recognizable but still not your like you know super top of a list necessarily it wasn't a face you couldn't turn around and not you know throw spaghetti at the wall no i feel her. like she's one of our finest you know oh, no, no, no i'm Street not saying she's actresses. not fantastic or it's nothing to say about the quality of her acting because she is amazing. fame, you mean? Yeah, more just that. More just that it wasn't a you couldn't not turn around and see her everywhere for like 10 years is how so many other actors feel where I get fatigued. I get fatigued on actors and then whatever they're in, I can't not see that the actor, not the character. And I really got that out of Hereditary. This one sucked me in. I am also a horror snob and I love it. So yes, I'm biased towards it. Um, but still, it just it just blew me away. And this, I, I really think that Hereditary is the one that made me go, am I, what is A24? I feel like I've been hearing about them for years. So this was, this was the movie where you were like, a24 yeah. like it really clicked. that's when i realized that mattered i was like i've heard this before and that's when i realized the witch ex machina um enemy spring like all these i looked it up and i was like okay i'm familiar with so many of these and i've liked every one of these that i've seen i think mine was ex machina yours was hereditary post post-production steps considering you know was it? moonlight was the first one they got into production for um right so yeah it, it wasn't until they got uh into like full-on full-on movie studio stuff that they really caught me with Hereditary of going like, I need to pay attention. Later in 2018, they did they made a film that is the complete opposite of Hereditary, and that is Eighth Grade. Later in the year, they did it again with mid-90s, and it wasn't until 2019 that we got a little more from Ari Aster with Midsommar. Midsommar? Midsummer? Still Midsummer, and yeah. Mid, you say Midsummer or Midsommar? I just say Midsummer, yeah. Midsummer. And we get frowny face, you know, <laughs> Florence Pugh for... 45 minutes to an hour. But I, I think, you know, I feel like that after seeing Hereditary and then seeing Midsummer, I feel like, and we've talked about this before, Ari Aster is going to be one of the new guys. Please you know, never, one of the never guys. leave me, Daddy Ari. Yeah, like we are just going to start seeing bangers after bangers and we're kind of still half. Later in the year, we get another one from Mr. Eggers in 2019 and that is The Lighthouse. And he's like, to me, he's he's probably, I know you're probably more of an Ari Aster guy than I am and I'm probably more of an Eggers guy than you are. Like he, to me, I'm like, I see. I almost feel like it's, it's roughly equal. Oh, I really? love both of them. It's slightly apples and oranges. I mean, yes, they're both indie horror directors, but I I love the both of them. Don't get me well, wrong. I feel like Ari Aster is is pretty much only horror in a lot of ways. Where uh, Mr. Eggers, Robert Eggers, he done a lot of. He's only done one real horror film with The Witch, The Lighthouse. I would. That's more of an allegorical tale too, kind of like the killing of a sacred deer. And then of course his fucking Viking story with Eric Northman. It is so good. It's like brutal. It's like metal. It's like metal music incarnate. Uh, and then in 2019, there at the end of 2019, we have the very, very underrated. I, I love this film, uh, Uncut Gems with uh, 
Adam Sandler in the best <laughs> acting role he's been in in a long time since Happy Game. That one I also did not see because <laughs> I heard that it's like, if you have anxiety, don't fucking see it. Guys, uh, earmuffs. Uh, um, we're going to leave the room for a minute. Oh my God, Philip, you'll love this movie. Like, go see I've this. I've heard it's great. Okay, let's get back to the show. Okay, guys, we are back. And um, that brings us to 2021. And um, with what, Saint what happened Maud, in 2020? Um... <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because um, A uh, Studio A24 they didn't put anything out in 2020. Studio A24 is like any studio. Are they all bangers? Are they all masterpieces? No. There are some um, some duds, some films you've probably never heard of, and I didn't. Uh, we don't have all the time in the world, and I didn't want to waste our precious, precious time on them. Yes, did they make films or at least distribute films in 2020? They did, but um, they're buried in some uh, catalog or list on Amazon Prime. You can find them, but um, you've probably never heard of them, and um, you'll probably never see them, honestly. The other films we're actually covering in this piece you will probably see or have already seen luckily or have probably you know i we need to talk about this for a minute uh this is where the, this is what we where this is where or what we'll talk about during the 2020 segment which is if you haven't noticed or if you have if you you may have already noticed that we have covered a lot of these movies that are other shows already yeah if but not you the probably, movie the director or something yeah, yeah, we've covered a ton of these films or yeah, the director or yeah, the film itself or the director or the writers or whomever in a lot of our previous shows. But I think a, a lot of people don't realize how many of these are actually distributed or, or made by A24. They probably knew some, you know, but they probably didn't realize quite the scope of their progeny of films. So I'm standing by my Steely Dan comparison. Uh, and that brings us back to 2021 with films St. Maud, The Green Knight. We have definitely, we have done a complete uh, AOTV piece on just The Green Knight. So, and then um, later in the year, Lamb. But uh, yeah, Green Knight, holy shit. What an experience. So good. Um, St. Maud, again, very cool. I, I also, I love a grounded, I guess it's funny that like, I, I will sort of sweepingly use the word horror. Um, I guess it's more of a thriller and a character piece, though Saint Maud. But still, like, it was very I think good. Saint Maud was effing scary. I, I was scared. That's what I'm saying. It's I'm just, a big baby. I yeah, it, it depends on what you consider horror. Because some people are like, if there's not a big monster and like a, a weird made out of fucking plastic or CGI, no, it's I, not Saint horror. Saint Maud got me, man. Yeah, Saint that's Maud the thing. Is it's scary. like, no, horror does not have to be gory. It does not have to have monsters. Like humans are monsters. Our fucking brains are monstrous. Saint Maud's like the. Duke and those kind of horror films. That's yeah, not that's yeah. not an A twenty four film. Yeah, but, honestly, you know, like yeah, the, like way, the way yeah, the way that they very much presented a like real world tangible horror that like you've either experienced or maybe know somebody who's experienced it. Um, it was cool. It was really good. Um, and yeah, I, I both of those really really caught me. But yeah, I mean, The Green Knight was a theater movie. Like, definitely go watch it if you didn't see it. But holy shit, um, talk about something that's meant for the screen again. Just continuously reinforcing what it is that the the big silver screen does uh of just that immersive experience um again like yes had had the main actor of that one had a, some fame before this yeah but uh, you know not again like you know tony collette i love movies and actors and actresses and i still forgot her name for a second i would be willing to bet that it's most americans well i i feel like most americans at least wouldn't consider tony collette a household name so you wouldn't find household names in green knight you're right. You just wouldn't. So 
once again, it just makes it all the more immersive. But when you've got something that's already got so much, um, again, just the, like the design, the the cinematography, just like all the thematic stuff. When you're whether you're talking about colors, uh, the environment, like the actual like Earth, the environments, the places that the character goes to, um, Garwin. <laughs> I said I just loved hearing that the um that version of King Arthur call him Garwin. It's another like retelling of a of yeah. an, of a myth. Of yeah, a it, that was the story. fun part too of just I yeah. I loved I remember those stories. I read those and I remember thinking like I'm so down. I love a good fantastical version of like a really ancient story brought to modern uh, audiences and the Green Knight fucking delivered. And that brings us to 2022 which is by far their most most critically acclaimed year most successful and uh, we will talk about these in little chunks but just to give you an overview of what they did in 2022 alone they released films another horror i would call this one more of a sleeper hit x and then of course the monumental everything everywhere all at once beyond a movie impossible to describe if that is one of i would say that is a top 10 of all time for me personally and something that i think all people should try to watch everyone should watch that in the attempt to broaden your horizons and expand your own brain to understand what movies can do for you and what art can be absolutely and now um you can check out our show best of 2022 click here uh and where we go way in depth into uh gushing and talking all things E-E-A-A-O, and uh, why you should go see it and love it. Um, later in the year, they made Men, the sequel to X, a uh, or a prequel. Pearl. Uh, That's true. Pearl. And The Whale. Now, I will, you know, as much as we could spend an entire show talking about everything, everywhere, all at once, I kind of want to talk about X and Pearl a little bit because... As we should. I think, for some reason, horror films... Though they're going through a renaissance, click here. We have other shows on this. Um, they do not; they still do not get the respect or credit they so deserve. Because I feel like in X and Pearl, the lead, the lead in both of those films, should have been at least nominated for a, an Academy Award Best Actress. You know, there should have been accolades, but because it was a horror film. I feel like a lot of people snub their noses at this. But here's the thing about A24. They know there's good cinema and horror. There's good art value and integrity when they have the right person helming it, like an Ari Aster or whomever, right? And with X and Pearl, I think I'm going to... You've heard it first here, guys. I think this will be the beginning of people finally... Because I started, I saw a little, a little people, you know, there was grumblings of like, well, why didn't this get nominated? Why didn't that get nominated? I think we will see the beginning of more horror films, especially actors and actresses in them finally getting more accolades and recognition and the awards they so rightly deserve. It, it kind of sucks in that I really do feel like if you aren't already a big, like somehow already having recognition is what gets you further recognition so that, you know... Again, like your bigger names um, are, are more likely to just pull more. And that might just be the fact that the bigger name pulled in more people to the theater and more people left theaters going, wow, that guy did a great job compared to movies that don't pull in as big of an audience. You literally just have a smaller pool of people going, holy shit, that was great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, X X was awesome. 
And it's interesting that this pre slash sequel came out like literally within the same year. And, you know, the the actual sequel um, to X, which is called Maxine, uh, it, which is is in production. It was actually being I think it was in production around the same time. Um, because yeah, again, we'll, like once we'll get once, it here in a year. Yeah, too, again, I it's think. it's interesting. Once you see them, you'll start to be like, "Wow, there's no way they didn't do this." At blah blah blah, because it's it's all it's an awesome little shared universe that Ty West has created. But Pearl, I think, deserves even more accolades than X. As awesome as X was, it set a fantastic foundation. But I was so engrossed in the story of Pearl and think that Mia Goth did such a great job of being like of carrying far more of the because the cast was is small. it goth or goth i don't know i like to say goth. i, I want to say goth just because i feel like goth sounds like she's like a metal singer like she's in a band she's like that's a stage name i, I bet that's her real name but it sounds like a stage name mia goth i know it could be when that, i say that, the goth that, version that part of why i and it fits perfectly into her progeny of since she does a lot of horror films she also was an infinity pool we've talked about that I on actually our show. there was an e on the end of it maybe it is just goth there's no there's no e it's oh. goth it is spelled like <laughs> like south park caricature goth and Hair in um, your eyes shoegazing dance shut up dad. that's right <laughs> shut up dad but yeah me. i um yeah she did fucking she, excellent she Pearl. deserved oh she man deserved but yeah, she smaller cast. Accolades. Yeah, smaller cast anyways, and the story revolved around her even more. Um, so again, it's not like she didn't do a great job in X. It's just that it was just obviously a different movie, different plot, more actors and actresses. It was just obviously different. Pearl was really fucking good. If I had to, if you were like, hey, put on one of these two right now, I would probably pick Pearl. I also liked that this, Ty West is such a fucking neat director. His cinematography is really interesting. I loved the like feeling of throwback. I mean, I was getting um like Wizard of Oz vibes hardcore because that's the era in which Pearl like takes place. I just think ah, that like he was sure. so good at demonstrating um how invested he was in the world that he was creating at the time. That Pearl is just it just strikes me better. But um I liked both of them a whole lot. Now let's talk 2023. Some films that came out not too long ago. Uh, they re-released uh, they bought uh the film rights to Pi, which is uh Darren Aronofsky's very first film. I'm a huge Darren Aronofsky fan. So after like Pi, he did Requiem for a Dream and The Fountain and Black Swan, and he's done. Uh, he did The Whale, and um, and Bo is Afraid. And then I I want to ask you this before we uh, start looking at some conclusions. Um, have you seen Talk to Me yet? I did just see Talk to Me. It was fucking awesome. I have been wanting, as soon as I saw the trailers for that, I'm like, oh, this is my jam. So give us a quick review. Ooh, Talk to Me is uh, an incredibly grounded uh, modern horror. I like that it avoids the dumb, like, don't go in there. Like, there's just, there's horror, good horror, in a, like the modern good horrors don't fall into the stupid tropes and stereotypes of, of, of movies past. Um, and I really think that by applying sound logic with good characters that have believable relationships to one another, it's it's it helps. Again, it just it really comes down to immersion. And I think that's the thing. Again, A24 is fantastic with picking films that are insanely immersive. Um, and so I was very invested the whole time, um, not to mention that the way that they can carry you through the film, the way that the characters bring you in and that that it is so grounded that you know you really are uh, about as tense as you can be wondering 
what the fuck is going to happen next because they very they don't pull punches they just punch very carefully and specifically at certain times right it's not again it's not a it's not a how much cgi can we do it's not a um you know however the top can we be very controlled very intentional um and especially the fact that there's enough lore and backstory behind what you, I guess, just like the supernatural element that it's enough to satisfy those who are one of those, like, you know, I can't help but notice plot holes. That's just kind of me. I'm a bit of an asshole. Um, <laughs> but this one didn't leave plot holes. It actually for once made me excited to be like, they could do more in this universe. It raised mm. just the right amount of questions while keeping me so satisfied and just f- moving forward. I, you know, once you've taken the plunge, Again, they don't wait too long to get to the good meat of it. And once it's there, it's not a gimmick. It really is just legit like the fuck is happening and when's the next awful thing going to happen? Um, And not in any, of course, like unbearable way that I was like so uncomfortable. It was that I was so excited to be like, what the fuck is going to happen? Ooh, okay, guys, check it out. I know I will. Upcoming releases include The Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense, and as already mentioned, Maxine. What a lot of people don't know as as well is that the production company also helps to produce and distribute television series and shows. So I'm just going to go through these real quick because I want to start tying a bow on this beat. That's 2015's The Carmichael Show, Two Dope Queens. Probably, and this surprised me, Euphoria is an A24 yeah, I didn't know I that. Didn't know, yeah, I did not know Legit. that until I researched this piece. John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Ali Wong, Dong Wong stand-up special, Beef, and um, the Idol, which was <laughs> again, uh, we can't all we can't all have hits, not all the time, but they they do their best, and that brings us to some conclusionary points because I feel like they remember it feels like they've. At least to me, it feels like they've been around for a long, long time, like a Paramount, like a Warner Brothers, like a Universal, but they haven't. It's only been because they found and produced all these uncut gems. So what do you think the future holds and tell the good people why they should study the progeny that is films and television from Studio A24? A24 found, whether intentionally or by accident, the perfect formula that is the anti-Hollywood movie formula in that they find fantastic talent across the board from from the directors to uh, again all the design whether you're talking costumes set uh lighting whatever what have you uh to the actors uh obviously the writers a lot of times these are writer directors you know these are people who firmly stand behind these their vision yeah they have a vision that they are dedicated to and it it clearly the uh the founders um and decision makers of the studio are just realized that maybe that like this is our skill we're good at picking movies that should be successful or will be successful and they really do at this point with what they've done for their brand and the success that they have found over the years they do almost feel like they could be a bigger studio it is the most flexible yet well thought out formula to making great movies that was so much more necessary than we knew Right. Like we don't know what we don't know. But now that I've seen it, I can't imagine them going away. Well, there you have it, guys. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, The legacy, the history, the art that is A24, Studio A24. And they that is just thus far. Yeah, this is our this is a curated selection. This isn't even everything they've done. This are these are 
what we decided we could talk about in an hour. There's so much more to come, and we are so excited to what comes next and what they offer and what we get to see. But until then, guys, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank you. I want to thank my guest, Mr. Philip Church. But before we go, you know what? We got a little extra for you. We got a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top of what we call the gym of the week. Before we talk gyms, we're going to talk sponsors. Today's gems are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud, so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai, that's Z-E-N.ai slash art of the beholder, or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gems. Mine is short and sweet. I've been playing me almost obsessively now a lot of a lot of final fantasy 16 it is mm. it is excellent pick it up all righty um i i'm gonna do two um do it. one of which is gonna be sort of on theme here in that uh it is an indie movie uh it is a horror movie and hopefully these people also continue to do stuff and get bigger budgets thrown at them as they continue to do stuff. But uh, there's a movie called Hellbender. Hellbender. Really awesome. It is literally actually written, hmm. starring, and directed uh, by a family. A straight up like mom, dad, child. And it stars the mother and the daughter uh, as, the, as two main characters. Uh, they are essentially witches. However, the daughter doesn't know it. Um, and then another lesser one that I want to do was um, for a video game called Artful Escape. Um, and the reason it's lesser is just that it's not the most intense thing. You're literally probably only ever pressing one button at a time, like literally just one button. Every now and again, you might have to press two. Um, but it's it's very much more about uh, the atmosphere. It's character driven. It is about uh, a main character who has this gigantic family legacy to live up to while feeling like that doesn't fit him. And he has this strong desire to break out but feels like he won't be taken seriously and that he is very scared to uh, be himself. And uh, it just goes on this insane cosmic sci-fi sort of bent. Guys, check it out. And Mr. Church, how do they get a hold of you? Um, you know, I've got this neat thing. Uh, there's uh, the World Wide this new, Web. This new thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All the this, kids are talking there's about. There's this whole thing out there called the World Wide Web. And so I, I bought myself a little piece of it. It's called philipchurch.tech. Um, that is Philip with one L. That is where you will find links to my body of work, links to the demos that I have. Uh, if you either like just purely the timbre of my voice, or if you want to go check out any of my works and decide that's a cool guy, I'd work with him. Um, that's how you can do that. You can get in touch with me through the contact stuff there. So uh, philipchurch.tech. philipchurch.tech, guys. And if you like that, you can, of course, check us out at novodayproductions.com. There you'll find a number of our products. You can also follow us at Novoday Media and at underscore novo underscore day. And day is D-E. And of course, uh, you can like, subscribe, follow, do all the things, rate and review. And if you'd like to sponsor a little love child or be on the show, you can reach out to us at NovaDayMedia at gmail.com. So until next time, be good to each other. We'll see you in the next one. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by NovoDay Productions, created and hosted by NovoDay and the NovoDay Collective. Facebook.com slash NovoDayMedia, at NovoDayMedia on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, facebook.com slash music 123 ACO on Spotify.
Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.